Hello, welcome to HipCast, Hip Tips, sharing expert tips from experts in hip fracture care. My name is James Wright, and I'm a nurse working for the Australian and New Zealand Hip Fracture Registry. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands in which we practice. We acknowledge these lands are the traditional territories of Indigenous peoples who called these lands home long before the arrival of settlers. We pay respects to the past, present and future traditional custodians and elders of our lands and the continuation of traditional and harmonious cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Indigenous peoples. I'm on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation here in Sydney, Australia. I also recognise, acknowledge and appreciate our consumers, patients, loved ones, families and carers. The voice of people with lived experience are powerful. Their contribution is vital to enable decision-making for healthcare change. We acknowledge the role they play in our lives. Today, I'm joined by Nicola Ward. Nicola is the Hip Fracture Coordinator and the Fragility Fracture Registry Coordinator in New Zealand. She's also the team leader for the Fracture Liaison Service Nurse at Tarunga, where she spent six years as a rehab coordinator focused on getting people home. She's been nursing patients following a hip fracture for more than two decades. Astute listeners might also be able to pick up on an accent that sounds distinctly un-New Zealand. So hi, Nicola. Thank you for joining me today. Hello. I would like to have put a New Zealand accent on, but I can't. (laughs) Where's it from originally? It's from the Lake District in Cumbria, so kind of Peter Rabbitland, but where Beatrix Potter wrote all those stories. And how long has it been since you lived there? Uh, 15 years. So it's a very hard accent to get rid of. Yes, obviously. (laughs) Yes. One of the things that I've heard you say is to look at the patient and not at the hip. Can you tell me what this means and just share with some of our listeners how you might sort of enact this motto in your day-to-day work? So what do I mean by that? I think there's more than just we fix the hip. When When the patient comes in, they're a whole and... Very often they, they're pleased that we fix the hip, but they're actually bothered that their diet's off, they haven't had a poo for six days, yeah. um, they're sat in a gown and they're bearing the bottom. You know, they're like, oh yeah, that's been fixed and done, but I've got all these other problems that they're worried about. And very often we're just like, oh, it's all related to the hip, and actually it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just about, I guess, as not just the hip, but listening to the patient. Right. Because the hip very often might not be their main concern mm-hmm. and it's everything else. You know, they're worried about the cat that can't get fed or they've left the handbag on the floor or what are they going to do with their husband who's got a bit of dementia and who's looking mm-hmm. after him. And I just think we have to take it all. We have to take all of that into the context and not just we fixed your hip. We're going to walk you and we're going to get yep. you home as soon as possible. Because Betty worrying about her husband isn't going to get out the chair Mm-hmm. because she's worried about her husband if we take that worry away and say we've spoke to Barry this morning and we've you know and you mm-hmm. can speak to him I'll put him on the you know phone for you and your daughter's looking after him and then she's like oh I feel up to physio now so I think there's that combination of you know treating the patient not just the condition they came in with so I really like that motto to look at the patient and not just at the hip. And I'm an avid reader. I've got this patient and he, she was actually dying very slowly and she was going to go to a palliative bed and she'd broken a hip. Mm-hmm. And she, every time I walked in the room, she just looked sad. You know, I said to her, what, you know, what's going on? You just, I know when you're waiting for a bed and, it, you know, you want to be in like a homely place. And she just said, 
makes me laugh. She said, I'm a really big reader. And I said, well, you've got books there. And she said, but they're giving me Mills and Boone rom- romance and I love horror. And that, do you right. know, that's just how can right. we make this patient's life better? And it was just right. swapping some books from the library that we had. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, she was like, this is a really good one. Like, just engaging with them. Because yeah. I think, um, I've said this before, we take, we, as in the clinicians, we take hospital for granted and routine for granted. And, and it's our bread and butter, but it's mm-hmm. not the patient's bread and butter. And we expect them to sit into our routines and our flow. It's, it's very normal for us, isn't it? Hospitals very aren't normal, normal for us. Places. We know that the tea trolley yeah. comes at 10.30 and the, yep. the last meal of the day comes at 5. Like at home, mm-hmm. not many people have their meal at 5. And not many people eat cheese sandwiches. For not many people eat cheese sandwiches. And, you know, yeah. there's all of that. So I just think that listening and taking that consideration of who they are as a personality because we kind of Mm -hmm. take that away a little bit yeah that leads me to think that the other saying that i've heard you use is knowledge is power when it comes to recovering from hip fracture so maybe could you share with me a little why you think patient and family knowledge is so important and then i'm interested in knowing how a bedside nurse could make a difference when it comes to knowledge and knowledge being powerful yeah, I think I think any clinician, but particularly a nurse, the nurse is there 24 hours a day. Um, my favorite time of rehab is when you when all the clinicians have gone. No offense mm-hmm. to the clinicians, yeah. but when the doctors are gone, the physios have gone, weekends are the time where the nurses really shine at that rehab. Yep. And I think knowledge is power. We have the knowledge, we know the routine, we know that a hip comes in and this happens and they get out of bed and we expect you know, physio and a bit of OT mm-hmm. and the Jerry, the author geriatricians might see them and optimise some stuff that's been going mm-hmm. on in the background for a while. Um, and we know that, but very often we don't share it. We don't, yep. we just carry on with our routine where I think knowledge is power for the patient. So to say to them, this is normal or do you know what we've done yep. to you? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the doctor came and he fixed my hip. But yep. what is what has he put in there? Um, mm. would you like to see your x-rays I always give the patient that mm-hmm. option and some you know some go oh no thanks and others go oh yes please and then it's yep. a competition to share against the wife or to show off to the grandson that they've yep. got this really cool bit of metal work in where do you think the biggest gap in knowledge is for patients who are lying in bed either waiting to have their hip fixed or they've just had it fixed where do you think they they most sort of need more information day one post-surgery because I think think from the point of hitting the floor till nine o'clock day one Mm post-surgery busted traumatized high as a kite on drugs yeah dehydrated in pain confused yeah absolutely absolutely so day one it's that's where you know sit down and say this has happened to you this is where Mm -hmm. we go from here and this not our expectation, but yeah. this is what what usually happens. The most common question I get asked by a relative is, how long is mum going to be in bed? How mm-hmm. long is dad going to be here? I always say, how long is a piece of string? Mm-hmm. And then I say to them, our data shows it's about 17 days. Nice. Seven that's to a really, that's, days. So that's, 17 so that's a way that you would use the registry data with, Absolutely, with family yeah. and patients. You know, and, and then break that down, what that looks like. And I think we're now getting the generation, you know, we're seeing the 90 and 80-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And look, when their mum and dad had a broken hip, 
they stayed in hospital for six weeks and never yep. got out of bed. Mm-hmm. And and that oh I remember oh yeah dad never came out for months if he came mm-hmm. out at all. So I think mm-hmm. it's changing that expectation and, and using the data again. You know, yeah. the, the clinical standards say mobilize on day one. It's, mm-hmm. We do get up on day one, totally safe. So just giving them the clinician, going back to that knowledge is power. Yeah. It's sharing our knowledge that we just have off the top of our heads that we can churn off like that. I yeah. just think patients don't ask what they don't know. Everything that we've talked about, normalize, listen, treat the patient, not the hip. Yeah. Knowledge is power. All of it together just works to help that patient understand what's happening to them, understand the forward planning of that. Yeah. And then if you tell the relatives that, they come mm-hmm. in and normalise it every day when they come yep. in. You shift them. that normalised conversation to the family so they start normalising the next steps in yeah. the patient journey. For that to be really successful, you'd need pretty good teamwork, I'm imagining. Absolutely. T- tell me why you think teamwork is important for a successful recovery. It takes mm-hmm. a village to, you know, they say that about children, don't they? I think it applies to anybody that comes into a hospital that's had a major trauma, mm-hmm. person with a hip fracture, because... You know, we say recovery is six to 12 months. And, you know, to start that, it takes a village to get over that. Yeah. And you sound so, like you, I mean, you've, you're have you deep within the registry, but I'm interested in knowing how you might use registry or the registry data, you know, to make a difference to patients. And then are there some challenges around that data and using it in a conversation with a family member, for example? Well, we always ask for consent, which is a good way to go in. And and, and then if we can expand on that. So very often I tell them um, the numbers that are coming through the door. So Tauranga just gets over 200 a year. So I always, you know, say, please, can I have the consent to make? Well, the reason is it just makes it better for the next person coming along because we get Mm -hmm. all this data and there's 200 of you. So, you know, we're used to this. Yep. This isn't rare to us, the how we care for mom, because we have mm-hmm. 220 of you coming through. I know there's hospitals with many more. Yeah. So then that just gives the, the, the patient and the, the um, relative an understanding of we know what we're doing. This is your first time, but it's not our first time. Also, just share, again, we talked about teamwork briefly, but, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to come and see you. But, you know, it's a team decision on how we get you home again or how we get you down to rehab or what, Mm -hmm. you know, what we need to do. It is. It's a team with a lot of complex and moving parts as well, isn't it? Absolutely. How do you particularly manage in your facility? Do you you have a central role? Do you sit as as the one go-to that the patient and family knows? And can approach. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm a clinical nurse specialist in the fracture mm-hmm. liaison service. So I get the best fits because I get the time. I get the time to go in and I see one patient at a time, mm-hmm. and I get to go in and sit with them and share my knowledge yep. <laughs> and give them the power. But then you know it is the nurses on the floor that are seeing that patient day in day yeah. out, and only most wards have a coordinator, don't they? Like a ward floor coordinator, mm-hmm. and I think it's them that's probably. The linchpin, but I mean, mm-hmm. if you're a if you're a registered nurse on the floor and you're on for seven shifts, you know, you and that you and that patient and that and their family become friends. You just become friends because yes. they're seeing yep. you day in day out. You learn a little bit more about them. So I when you sit down and, and have a chat with them, when you sit with families and patients and have a conversation with them, and and it might be the first, say, the first time you've met them since they fell. Yeah. 
How long does that take? What does that conversation look like? Um, so I go in with my um, registry hat on. So our mm-hmm. fracture liaison team collect the data, you know, just talk to them. And basically, you know, I'm the hip fracture nurse. And yep. how are you doing? And did you know, so we talk about, can I give you your x-ray? So again, sharing that knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk about what the next process is. So, you know, if you live on your own, you've got to get on and off the chair, on and off the toilet. Mm-hmm. Give that basic information. Probably takes about 20 minutes. Okay. Depending on what they're asking. Sometimes yes. And do you think that's the first time someone's looked at the big picture? Yeah, sometimes. So it, we tend to go in about day three. Sometimes the patient's... I've just forgot they've just had such a traumatic three days they yeah. have been told all that information but it's just to kind of pull it together again for them we've got variations of the hip fracture booklet there's a mm-hmm. there's a a hfr one which tells you the patient journey in new zealand mm-hmm. we've got one too that came from our health quality and safety you know you can go on both websites and get them Each do you hospital- use that do you use that in your conversation do you use it as a conversation starter with patients we go via our physios so our yes. physios introduce the booklets mm-hmm. um on day one do they ever is it ever introduced earlier in the emergency department when the patient I, and their family first arrive i don't believe so yeah right I, do you have I, any I sort of thoughts on that I do. Only, only I'm going to put my fragility fracture hat on. Yeah. As a fragility, going to see lots of people with fragility fractures. When we started our fracture liaison service, we started in ED, going to see them when they came in Mm -hmm. straight away. And it just didn't work. Lots of patients declined us and just didn't see see that I was wanting to talk about the bone health and osteoporosis. And they were like, I've just fell on the concrete. I haven't fixed the bone yet. Right. Yeah, and the con- and so that we were getting no buy-in. Mm-hmm. So I just think for hip fracture patients, you know, you've fallen, particularly if you've tripped over the burr at the supermarket, and yep. you know what I mean. <laughs> you've left something in the oven and total panic. And I yeah. always say to the ladies, like one minute you're thinking about you know putting your tea in the oven, and the next minute mm-hmm. you've got no handbag and underwear on, and it all yep. chaos has ensued. <laughs> yeah. You wake up and you're in pain, and you you know it's right. just chaos for those very early hours for patients. We and you like to give it a couple of days to settle down to get on top of the important sort of things in their health in that first few days. Yeah, I think yeah. so, but I mean it's the nurses on the floor that are dealing with that acute health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That you know, are still are still talking about what's happened to them. When you think about hip fracture and how we manage it in, well, how you manage it in New Zealand and how we manage it elsewhere, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges facing the management of those patients? Some of those big picture healthcare, you know, challenges that we face. Is there something in particular that stands out for you, or that you'd like to, you know, see change? It's very often um, the model of care is. Mm-hmm. not shared care it's right. one or the other so if you're going to look at them then it's, the it's very compartmentalized isn't it i think maybe if we look at a shared care of orthogeriatrics orthopedic surgeons and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, the other thing is though you've also got that pressure at the other end of getting people out the door i think every hospital would say they could, probably could improve their flow particularly where i work is when a patient mm-hmm. comes from a rest home seems that there's that extra delay to get them home yes again because because we look at their level of care and as it changed yeah. and if they're not good enough yeah. they won't take them back mm-hmm. but this is this patient's home where else are you going to rehab the very best you can? 
right in your own home that you've lived in for 10 years whether it mm -hmm. be your private residence or whether it be a residential care facility if you've lived right. there for 10 years it's your home i would like to see more community rehab happening and we don't take any data from the outcome afterwards we do at four months right. we say that they're still in residential care but we don't know if mm -hmm. that level of care has increased right or if it stayed the same so we don't know what the, you know whether our patients have improved yep. over time it's only what they tell us at the 120 day follow-up from resident you know mainly the residential or what the nursing home tells us i always think we sometimes at that follow-up we should look at the patient's perception of how they should be rather than Mm -hmm. and what we think they should be like. Yeah, so you make, do you make quite a few of the 120-day follow-up phone calls? Is that one of your roles? Yeah, I do all of them. And tell me a little bit about what those phone calls are like because there might be people listening to this podcast today who've never rung up a patient after 120 days. Oh, it's, well, it's probably my best part of the job for the hip okay. fracture registry. Our team's gone in early at day three and seven. So we remember mm -hmm. these people that we were talking to. So when we ring them up at 120 days, and, and there's, it's a mixture of they're really proud of where they are. Mm -hmm. So like, oh, I'm at home and I drove for the first right. time last week. So they're really proud. Oh, Does that they're... happen often? Are patients often surprised at how well they are? Yeah, by the time we ring up, it's, you know, that 120 days, they might have just got discharged from physio. Mm -hmm. So they're really pleased to tell you that. So it's very, it's a very simple conversation. Right. You know, hi, you fractured your hip four months ago. Our hospital just rings and checks how you are. They love it. Yes. And I don't even have to, it, it's not even, and I've got a list of questions to tell you. Yes. They tell me as they're telling me. They answer them in they conversation. Are, so I don't make it a... Yeah. It's quite informal. I don't make it a tick sheet exercise and then go, yeah. all right, thanks for you've answered my questions. So they love it. Or they're frustrated that they're not as good as they are. Right. And so I'll there'll just, be a group of people who are very positive about the amount yeah. of progress they've made despite this massive trauma. But on the other hand, there's a group of people who are frustrated that they're not back Absolutely. to the day they were before they fell. Absolutely. And it's all, yeah. I always said 16 weeks ago, like it's not that long. So they're frustrated they've still got the frame or they're, yeah. um, I've got a funny story about a 93 year old who I rang in the first COVID lockdown. Mm -hmm. who I Tell rang me. and I said, how are you? And she, terrible, terrible. And I can hardly walk and I'm still using the frame and it's in the mm -hmm. house and I don't like it. And I was panicking. How do I get a physio in lockdown to go to someone's yeah, house? Yeah, it sounds horrible. Yeah, she wasn't happy at all. So at the end of the conversation, I said to her, look, it's a beautiful day. What I'd like you to do is just, can you open your front door and just go and feel the sun on your face? Like, it's just beautiful. Yeah. And then I'll try and look at, and she said, don't worry, honey. She said, I've been outside and shook, is shook the right word? Shucked two apple trees this morning and I've got four pans boiling on the stove. <laughs> right. Her expectations were something. Her perception of herself. Right. Well, she had to shuck the apple trees with a frame. She was angry that she'd had to go right. and do that with a frame. Where I was yep. panicking, thinking she couldn't even walk to the toilet. Do you, so when you have an early conversation with patients, do you have a conversation about what they will look like in 120 days? Yeah, absolutely. My, I always talk to them about, I go a bit earlier than that. So if I'm seeing them on the ward, yeah. I always say to them, if I could bottle confidence... Yes. I'd be a millionaire. I'd sell it back to you for a dollar. Yeah. But it's the first thing that scuttles under into the deck. The minute they hit the floor, 
confidence goes. Then once you go home, that first night in your own bed, mm-hmm. you're going to flick the blankets off when you wake up in the morning and go, oh, of course I could sleep in my own bed. It's my own home. Yeah. You know, and then they laugh at that because I think that's how they feel like right. disasters happen. So I always say that to them. And then at, and- at 120 days, it is about are you back to what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Are you still having, you know, there's still time to recover. It's a long road to recovery, but look where you are now. If yeah. you were to suggest to say a new nurse who was working with patients with hip fracture, what sort of tips or suggestions might you offer to them that would make a real difference in their patient's life? You know, something practical. I've just started on an ortho ward. I don't know much about the different types of screws. And I don't know much about looking after those patients, but I'd love to draw away, a, you know, a couple of quick tips. That I- I think that I think for that nurse, it's probably scary getting somebody with a broken mm. hip out of bed on day one. But mm-hmm. that's the right thing to do. The right thing to do is get them up. You know, if it's a Saturday, Sunday, there's no physio about. It's your job, nurse. It's yep. your job to carry out all the clinical standards, regardless mm-hmm. of what hour of the day it is, yep. what day of the week it is. So get that patient out of bed, get them eating, you know, pain control, get on top of and then do all the rest behind that. Absolutely. Yep. Whether yeah. you're taking a catheter and an IV pole with you, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. It's all manageable. Uh, you but know I what? Think... And I love that as a great single tip to anyone who's never really known much about hip fracture patients is to get them up and get them moving. Well, I think yeah. that's a fantastic tip to wind up on today, Nicola. And thank you so much for your time. It was fantastic talking My to pleasure. you.